0: What is going on, everyone? Thank you for, yet again, tuning in to another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by the beautiful and wonderful both of them, Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. However, today, it's a weird day. It's conference tournament weekend. We got the hangover from conference tournaments and the hangover from just hangovers. But Jake was at a wedding this weekend, so he will not be joining me. And Jordan, In true fashion, he was at college baseball games this weekend and just got home, so I'm going to let him, you know, kind of take off right now, and I will be going solo for just a short episode. We will be recording a midweek episode where we talk about, you know, what's going on with the selection show and the conference or the regionals that will be coming up. So, don't you worry, your pretty little heads. We will have that episode out later this week. But I didn't want to leave you empty handed this week. So, we are going to jump right into the cool things that I caught over this weekend and the cool things that happened in college baseball this weekend. And of course, we cannot start without first mentioning and thanking our sponsor, S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition is a service that will tell you more about your brain. It'll also, on top of telling you more about your brain, it'll teach you how to improve different areas of your brain to help you be a better athlete, which I personally think is cool. I mean, Yogi Bear is not on this podcast, but he said half the game's mental, the, or 90% of the game's mental, the other half is physical. I think something like that. But use S2 Cognition and improve that 90%, that way you can get the other half down and maybe you won't get caught saying quotes like that. But we're going to hop right into it. And one of the most uh, exciting parts of this weekend that I love the most is everyone who makes their conference tournament, they have the opportunity to punch their ticket to go into the postseason. So I'm sure everyone remembers years ago where Stony Brook had their amazing run. But this is where the smaller guys get their chance. And, you know, especially in conferences where you aren't going to get at-large bids like It's awesome seeing the guys fighting and clawing just for a chance to, you know, move on and and make it. So, one of the most interesting places, in, in my opinion, for that was UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro, the way their conference tournament worked, Wofford had to win about three games. Three or four games, I believe, to take home the title because they were the one seed. And then teams like UNC Greensboro... We're stuck having to play, I think they ended up playing three straight doubleheaders where they had to win every single game to make it to the postseason. So, you know, you might be wondering, what did UNC Greensboro do, Steve? That's a lot of games that they, they were required to win. Well, I'm here to tell you they won them all and they ultimately took home their conference title because they just grinded. They, they were gritty as hell and they fought and clawed and they upset the top-seeded Terriers to punch their ticket to Omaha. And, you know, I know nothing about at-large bids or how any of that works. I just recently learned that Notre Dame isn't hosting a regional, so I I really genuinely don't understand any of it. But we got to give a shout out to the man Kennedy Jones. Kennedy Jones is a guy who I've been watching all season. He's a He's a good dude. He's had some great highlights, some great games, but he set a bunch of tournament records this weekend. He had 16 hits, 17 RBIs, and 37 at-bats, and 33 total bases, which were all tournament records. They, uh, I believe that matched tournament records, and of course you're playing a bunch more games than typical teams, so it would be tough for a guy from Wofford to be able to do that, but that's all part of, you know, just going after it and winning those games. Um, another interesting standout player from that was Austin Parsley, who threw his third complete game of the season in game one, where he allowed nine hits and only two runs and struck out five batters, earning him his 10th win of the season. And then Hunter Shuey had his sixth start of the season in game two. Only his sixth start. And he pitched seven innings, allowed six hits, only gave up two runs and struck out four, but he earned his first playoff win. And moments like that are really cool for me because it's, you know, who's going to step up and, you know, help the team make it to the postseason. Obviously, the Kennedy Jones and partially they were ready to step up. But Hunter, you know, it's his sixth start of the year. He's not like an every day, every weekend starter, it seems. So one of the biggest things around conference tourney time and the postseason is one of the keys to your success is going to be how deep is your pitching staff, and they've proven they they have the depth because you know different guys are going to have to step up because otherwise arms are going to snap and people are going to people people are going to be uh, going down if you don't have a lot of pitching and you're requiring guys to do a lot more. But I just wanted to tip my cap to those guys because. That's not easy what they did, and that's really what the college baseball postseason is all about right there. Now, staying in the great state of North Carolina, another team that really impressed me was the Campbell Camels. Not just because that's really fun to say, but the Camels dropped Game 1 of the Big South Conference Tournament, and they were in a situation where they had to sweep two doubleheaders. To win the to punch their ticket, and so you know what 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 do we do, Steve? We're Campbell, our backs are against the wall. What do we do? How do, how do we survive? You fight, you claw, and you scratch your way to victory, and that's exactly what the Campbells did. So the next day they come out and they play uh, Gardner Webb, in the morning. And they won this game three to four, and the game started in Campbell's favor because Jared Belbin saw the saw one pitch, hit one home run to lead off the game. And I don't think, this is something I haven't covered as well as I need to, but I don't think anyone in college baseball has hit more lead-off home runs than Jared Belbin. Like, they have a cleanup hitter batting lead-off, which I'm personally a fan of because I like the long ball. And they played their third and final run on in the sixth inning on a wild pitch. And Zach Neto raced a brief lead with an RBI single in the 7th. Now, what what really impressed me about Zach Neto was, or Neto, however you want to pronounce it. I'm not good at pronunciations, and I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. But, in the 8th inning, he comes into the game to pitch from shortstop. He did not do a single warm-up pitch like in the bullpen before. They just, you know, they have a mound visit, and it's like, oh, well, they don't have anyone warming up in the bullpen. Bam! Zach Neto. he He's going to come and throw. Okay, sure. Why not? And he comes, and he does a great job. He gets a, a saving game, too, which really impressed me because he was just out there chucking it. He hadn't thrown since early March or mid-March or maybe even late March. I'm not really certain. Either way, he had a whole month off where he did not pitch and he just comes into game two and is sharp and gets a save for him, like that's huge. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more because guys who are two-way guys like that add so much value to teams where you know, college rosters, they're bigger this year than they've usually been, but still, you need those guys to step up and provide that pitching depth, and that's exactly what he did for the Campbells, Camels, not the Campbells.
1: Hello everyone, this is Jordan Schusterman. I am not joining my dear friend Stephen Schock live on this episode of The Shock Factor, uh, as I am driving back after a very long emotional day of watching my alum, the College of Worcester, compete in the Division Three Super Regionals against the defending champion, Salisbury Seagulls. Two unbelievable baseball games. Worcester coming up just short, Seagulls going back to Cedar Rapids and the World Series of Division Three. Congratulations to all the teams that made it to the D3 World Series, as you guys all know, and beyond D1. We care very much about D3, but I did want to hop on here quickly and just, just, just say that as I sat through six hours of, some of the most chaotic baseball I've ever seen in my life today, getting absolutely scorched by the blazing sun above despite hundreds of layers of sunscreen. I thought about how all across this great land over the last five days there have been hundreds of thousands of parents, friends, siblings, girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, all kinds of people watching these baseball games and just losing their shit. And that is a beautiful thing. This is the best time of the year. I wouldn't want it any other way, even though my team didn't come out on top. It's been an, an honor and a pleasure watching them this year. As I know, there are so many fans that feel that way right now if their season ended. So I just wanted to salute those whose season's ended in the Division One season. For those who get to keep playing, we can't wait to watch you in the tournament. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening all season long, and we have a lot in store for the postseason. Uh, so with that, I'm going to keep driving with two hands on the steering wheel, and uh, I will talk again to my two dear friends, Steven Shock and Jake
0: Mintz, here in a couple days. Adios. Now another team in, you guessed it, North Carolina, that. I feel is potentially the most dangerous team in college baseball right now is ECU baseball. Of course, they won their conference, and, you know, they they played great their whole conference tournament, in my opinion. But one thing that I feel makes them the most dangerous team is the fact that the baseball gods are clearly on their side. Because, you know, anyone who watches baseball or who knows a thing or two about baseball knows that there there's baseball gods out there it's call it baseball gods call it karma whatever you want to call it it's real and one of the biggest things is when you go and defensively it's demoralizing as an opposing team when this happens to you but when your team's on defense and someone makes a great play to end the inning or you know, to save runs from getting across, that person is always batting the next inning. And whether they shine in that moment or make an error, they're always going to be batting the next inning. Because that's just how it is. So, one play specifically with Bryson Worrell, which was sick, is I'm pretty sure it was a tie game. And he's in deep center field with one out and there's a runner on third he catches a fly ball in deep center field and throws him out at home hands down the best outfield assist I've seen this season and if you know me you know that outfield assists are my thing they're my jam and so it's like okay that's cool Bryson that was a sick play um you you do, you just did something huge for us now we're gonna load the bases and you're gonna come up just so you know that, hey, your job's not finished, and then he hits a grand slam, sure, why not, why not hit a grand slam, because the baseball gods know who's, who's working, who's, who's making these plays, and who deserves to shine in these moments, and, you know, that's something that when I see a team who has that, where it's like, they're making big play, and big play, after big move, after big move, that's, that's when a team's truly dangerous, and, that's what Bryson Worrell did. And you might be thinking, okay, Steve, their center fielder did something great, cool. But, you know, what about the next day? Well, the next day, he, uh, he hit a walk-off, walk-off home run, which I don't know about you other college baseball fans, but for me, walk-off home runs are really cool. And granted, this was a this was a mercy rule walk-off, so it's not necessarily as cool as like a, oh, game's on the line, we're down three and the bases are juicing, you hit a home run. But it's still frickin' dope. And then, you know, the next day, Bry- Bryson needs a rest. He needs some time. Because he just did a lot. He did a lot. So, you know, you want to be a good teammate. You go, hey, Bryson, anything I can do for you today? So Jacob Jenkinson's coward is their right fielder. Now what he does is he, he plays right field. Shocking, I know. But in the game, he makes a diving over-the-shoulder grab, sick play. And it ends the inning, no run score because of it. And then he comes up to bat the next inning. What's he do? Just hits a no-doubt bomb to right field, because why not? But teams who are playing cohesively like that and, like, performing when they need to perform, those are the teams that I feel are really dangerous because it's just, it's just nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And those are the teams that they do it the right way, and they're going to continue to do it the right way, and the game will keep rewarding them. All right, Jake Mintz here
2: reporting live from his cousin's wedding. Now, am I a little bit, you know, under the influence, potentially, but that's not important. Right now, I need to shout out Binghamton University Baseball. The Bearcats have absolutely done it. Winning conference. Now, a couple months ago, the Binghamton Bearcats traveled to Mississippi State to play a midweek game, and let me tell you, The Bearcats walked out like they'd never been there before. Absolutely soaking up the moment, taking Snapchats, taking pictures. But on the internet, they were ridiculed. People said the Bearcats, oh, they could never stand up to the mighty SEC. But now, here we sit on May 29th, almost midnight. My cousin's having a great evening. And the Binghamton Bearcats are in. The tournament in the Mississippi State. Whatever the fucks they are, are not. And karma works out quite that way, doesn't it?
0: Now, another game that I need to talk about, and since Jake and Jordan aren't here to stop me about talking about them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freaking do it. This is for you West Coast people out there. We're, we're going all the way to the Pac-12 cr- tournament, which is in the Pacific land of Scottsdale, Arizona. And we're going to talk about, they didn't end up winning. Well, they won this game that I'm going to talk about, but, or didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. But, they didn't win their conference tournament, and that's UCLA. UCLA has been a great team all year, and they've they've gone through some weird freaking times. And this is arguably the weirdest and biggest and coolest time that I've seen them go through. Now, on May 28th, UCLA played Oregon State. Oregon State is the number two team in the country. And from my understanding, they're very good at baseball. And so, in the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth, UCLA is down 21-12. to 12, Which, it's a pretty big deficit. That's nine runs. Everybody in the lineup has to score once just to just to kind of tie it. So... You might think, no way that happens, right? They can get three outs before that happens. Wrong. So the Bruins, uh, they, they strung together a nine-run rally. of four hits, three walks, hit by pitch. And then a fielder's choice, which tied the game at three touchdowns apiece, which is nuts. So it's like, okay, well, Oregon State's really good. They're probably going to take the lead again. So in the 10th, Oregon State blasts a go-ahead home run. Nope, not a go-ahead home run. I'm a doofus. It was just a go-ahead single. It was an RBI single from Justin Boyd. And then in the the bottom of the 10th, following a single, double, an intentional walk to load the bases, a balk was called. Because why not? Which brought home the tying run. Which sets the stage for the redshirt catcher sophomore. Redshirt sophomore catcher. He didn't redshirt catching. He redshirted school. So that, that's another thing. Tommy Barris hit his first career home run. In the biggest situation he's been in, he hits a home run. Like, are you kidding me? That shit's awesome. It's a three-run bomb to cap off the comeback. And they win 25-22. to This is hands down the weirdest game I've ever seen. The 47 combined runs are the most in a one game this season. And you might think, well, Steve, how many games could that be out of? Out of about 8,000-some. That's a lot of games, and that's a lot of runs. So good on both Oregon State and UCLA. Typically, if my team scores, you know, 22 runs, I would hope to come out with that victory. So I understand it might be tough for... For Oregon State but they bounced back won the next game and won their conference championship so everything ended up all right for them and you know that's just it is what it is now this might come as an absolutely baffling fact so if you're listening in a chair or somewhere where you have a seatbelt, belt make sure you're sitting down and strapped in to hear this because I'm gonna say it and you're gonna be like whoa Steve you don't say that's mind-boggling how 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 is this true how could this happen tennessee won the sec which is crazy it's crazy that they did that you know cuz it's tennessee who would have who would have thought the team that's only lost like seven not seven actually but about 10 games this season how did they pull it off and i don't really know I'm kidding. They're very good at baseball. Obviously, they were going to win the SEC. I don't gamble, but I feel like that would have been the safest bet to place this weekend. Now, a bet I wouldn't expect to place is that Michigan baseball won the Big Ten, which is crazy because, you know, when you think of the Big Ten, you're thinking, okay, Rutgers, Maryland, you're, you're, you are you're, guys are really, really good. You're going, you're going to the postseason. One of you guys are going to win it. Rutgers won the most games they've ever won in a season. This season, they've been around for like 250 some odd years, but Michigan just waltzes in and beats them four to ten, and it's like, okay, well, we're gonna go to the tournament too. So, I'll maybe, maybe see you guys there. Not really sure how that, how that's gonna end up, but I gotta tip my caps to Michigan because that's awesome. You know, just that's the crazy thing about conference tournament time where literally anything can happen and a lot of times what that ends up meaning is you know schools who they weren't going to get an that large bid just go and compete and do well and I love to see that that's what that's one of my favorite things about the postseason is just everybody gets a chance to shine it doesn't like obviously like scouting wise it matters what you did in the regular season but once you get to the postseason, records don't matter. You're on a level playing field. Just because Tennessee won a billion games doesn't mean they're automatically thrown to Omaha, which I think they'll get there anyway, personally. Just because they're a good baseball team, they win a lot of games, but in the act of winning those games, it didn't give them anything, you know, special other than assistance in getting an at-large bid or. You know, getting a buy in their conference tournament, but when it comes to the postseason, it's just winner takes all. If you want to keep playing baseball, you got to keep winning, and that's that's what makes a team dangerous. And you know, at UVA, that's what made us good was the fact that we weren't just playing because you know we wanted the ring or anything like that, but we just wanted to keep playing baseball together. I know. Personally, for me, I knew my, my baseball career was done after, after that year. So like being out there and competing was all about just, I want to continue to go out and compete. And I think having that mentality and having that mindset going in is going to be crazy. And okay, it's selection Monday and I got a notification from the NCAA about, about you know, upcoming selections, which, I sorry, I got fired up, I got distracted, I got to turn on, do not disturb, just like driving, don't text and podcast, don't do it, stay safe, stay alive, but back to my point, as long as teams are playing together and playing for the right reasons, and, you know, they're gonna be okay, and what really... The best advice I can give to any team in the conference tournament is to understand that you belong in that situation. Like, I went to a regional when we were at UMBC because we had won the America East. It was when I redshirted, so I didn't play or do anything, but I was there. And, you know, the mindset was like, oh, my God, this is so cool because we're going to play Maryland, Wake Forest, and West Virginia. like And then it's us. And the mindset was not about okay, well, this is a step to get to the next step to continue playing together. It was, you can get caught up in the lights and the bright lights and all the cool stuff going on, which for me as a player, like that's pretty dangerous. You got to stay careful and try to stay neutral because that's when you can, when you understand as a player that you belong on the same field as the other people, and if not a better field, like if you got that chip on your shoulder attitude, you're going to have more success. So if any players are listening to me. And you're in the postseason. Or you're a high school player in the postseason. Whatever. Just remember. Losing this time of the year absolutely sucks. Because you're close to your goals. And if you lose and you don't get to reach those goals. It sucks. It's sad. And you know. It's college baseball. So some of your buddies are going to be gone next year. It may, it's going to be the last time you're playing with some of these people. So just go out and attack each and every day, and have a blast while you do it. And the winning will take care of itself, because, you know, after games, I don't know if they still do handshake lines in the NCAA, but if you eliminate a team, and you're going through the handshake lines, just look at how sad, how sad they are. And this isn't a knock against people who lose, it happens. I've lost. But look at how sad they are. And understand how much that stinks. How bad it feels to not not get to keep playing. Well, the simple fact of the matter is in most of these games that these teams are going to be playing, someone's going to stop playing when the team when the game's over. Like it's the end of a career, it's the end of seasons. So what I recommend is not being the team that loses. And just, you know, going on and keeping winning. That way you can be happy with your friends and you don't have to have that sad emotional time. But, just go out and win the day. You know, you go out and win the day every day, and everything will line up for you, and it'll be alright. So, I know this was not our typical episode, and I know it may not be our best. But hey, we're out here trying. We're trying to win the day. And after Selection Monday, after, after the dust has settled on who is going to Omaha... My friends Jake and Jordan will once again be forced to talk to me and we will deliver that conversation to you throughout the week. I'm not sure which day exactly. We still have to kinda of get that all set up and planned. But when that time comes, we will have an hour long episode for you. We might even go crazy. Not I'm not talking three hours at a time, but forty five minutes? Hour and a half, maybe. That's sorry. I watched the other guys last night, so I'm still a little, a little groggy. But me, Jake, and Jordan will be back. And thank you to our sponsors at S2 Cognition for so graciously allowing us to continue doing what we love and delivering this podcast to you. We couldn't do it without you guys. One day I'd like to meet and give you a nice hug and say thank you. But since I can't do that, I will do it over the radio waves, which have not been killed by the radio star. And say thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for hanging around all season long. I greatly appreciate y'all's support. And I hope you've had fun throughout the season. And just remember, we are not done yet. We're going to be in Omaha. We're going to continue doing content for the fans and delivering to you so that we can provide the best experience possible and do our best to prove that college baseball truly is the best game in the world. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day.